Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up to date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Remember that this podcast deals with adult themes, so if you don't have privacy, you might wish to put on your headphones. Today is the fourth installment of the Sex Love Stories series. If you haven't heard the first three, you might want to go back and take a listen, as each story is different. I've invited A here today to talk with me and tell me about his sex love story. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, can you start by telling me a little bit about your culture and background? Right. I I come from sunny South Africa. I grew up in a Jewish community, almost exclusively Jewish community, Um, very conservative, extremely, extremely conservative. I have an elder brother and sister. Uh, The community I grew up in, uh, it was almost a requirement of the good girls, good and inverted commas, to be virgins when they got married. So all the girls who actually enjoyed an active sex life, it was very secret, very, very secret. And the whole mood was as if this was like naughty, bad, wrong, etc. Uh, we had no sexual education, I would have to say, whatsoever. We had one class of education in class which showed us how babies are made. That was it. We all tittered and felt embarrassed and that was it. So, what I come from. So, your um, can you give like an age range for folks? Oh, I'm late sixties. Right. Okay. So, um, I wanted to start by asking you about when you first were aware that you were a sexual being. Oh, okay. Well, I used to take a bath every day, and I discovered that that thing at the top of my legs had new sensations that, frankly, I never discovered before while I was washing myself. And I kind of learned to play with it and shock horror things happened. And that's when I discovered that I had a sexuality in my body that I frankly didn't know existed. Needless to say, I didn't discuss this with anybody because this had to be like a bad thing. So there was a lot of shame in the community you grew up in around sex then. Absolutely. Shame was number one on the list of how you felt about sexual activity. By the way, may I add, before I forget, women were not allowed to enjoy sex. No, this was for men. Women were there to make babies. Women, any woman who enjoyed sex had a screw loose. Okay, so women procreation only, but men were supposed to have fun. Pretty much. That sounds interesting to me because I'm not sure how the men would have complete fun if the women were not enjoying themselves. It, it sounds like it would be, I don't know. No, not- no, no. A woman who enjoyed herself was low quality. A woman was there to satisfy a man. 
It was right. their purpose in life. In more ways than one, women were, uh, forgive me, but I believe second-rate citizens. The right. whole purpose in life was to procreate and take care of the children and their men. Wow. So we talked a little bit about, we were talking about the climate the other day in a conversation about what um, it was like, and you mentioned the book Black Beauty. Oh, well, in South Africa, uh, they had such restrictive um, uh, rules that firstly, no bare breasts were allowed to be shown in the, in the, in the movies, none, none at all. Nudity was forbidden. Playboy magazine, I mean, you could be locked up for having Playboy magazines. It was that bad. And this was all administered by people who spoke Afrikaans. Right. Okay, they, they worked for the government. And one day they inadvertently banned the Enid Blyton book, Black Beauty, because they thought this was about a black, beautiful woman. This, I mean, that led to cries of derision in the newspapers, you know, but what did they know? They spoke Afrikaans. They saw an English book called Black Beauty they presumed it was about a beautiful black woman and black women were not allowed to be beautiful in apartheid South Africa. Wow. And so for those of you who don't know the book Black Beauty, um, maybe some of our younger listeners who don't know the book Black Beauty, it's about an horse, right? It's a horse. That's it's right, a black horse. A black horse. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, you know, it's just... I, I, it, boggles my mind to think that wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't long ago at all. Uh, I mean, the whole place. Look, if you walk around the streets of New York, you'll see large numbers of people from that kind of community. And there are large communities like that in Johannesburg as well. My, my sister lives in the middle of one. So they learn nothing. Girls are raised, and I'm not exaggerating here, in the religious communities, they're raised to finish school and get married and make children. That's their purpose in life. That's it. So how did you, you discovered yourself and you found you could create joy, but you didn't talk to anybody about it. God forbid. How did you learn about the pleasure side of sex and what you needed to do? I was fortunate enough to be a big book lover. I read books voraciously. And one day, in Hillbrow, the suburb of Johannesburg, I was in a bookstore, and there on this rotating shelf, I remember it that clearly, was a book called uh, The Pleasure of Sex in Marriage or something, right? There were no photographs, because that would make the book illegal, along with Black Beauty. They were just drawings. And it was a simple uh, book about how a husband and wife can enjoy sex. I thought, oh, that looks good, so I bought it took it home and I read the book. I have to tell you that that was the most fortunate book I've read in my life because it explained everything every man and woman ought to know, but particularly the men, because I'm sorry to say it, but from my asking around, it seems to be men are mostly clueless and they could use a little bit of education. It's shameful they aren't educated in simple things, but I learned what I know from the book. And it stood me and the ladies I've been fortunate enough to have intimacy with in good stead my entire life. So how old were you when you found this book? I guess 14, 15. I presume you hid it from your parents. God, are you kidding? I mean, they would think there was something wrong with their son if he was reading a book. By the way, my older brother was, you know, a, a womanizer. So they would have thought that was all right. But God forbid they found my sister with that book. 
I mean, that would have been the end of the world as we know it. And my sister would never read a book like that. It was just like, uh, girls just didn't do that. Girls, to this day, my sister doesn't see a woman's role as having pleasure in sex. She didn't, just wasn't raised to look at it that way. And that's never changed. I think that that's never changed. I think you are indoctrinated as a child and it's ex extremely difficult unless you have a need to change that indoctrination. That's extremely difficult. Uh, so no, I don't think she's ever changed. Uh, I've changed dramatically. I mean, I think that's incredibly sad. I think it's incredibly sad that someone should go through their whole life without really knowing how much pleasure intimacy can bring. Oh, what are you talking about? The world, probably 80% of the world's female population has no idea that they're supposed to enjoy themselves. And their men would think less of them if they did enjoy themselves. You know what I mean? I, I, I had a girlfriend once who told me her husband complained because she was too vocal while they made love. I'm sorry, that would be you know, good news to me that she was having a good time. But, <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? That would be a success for me, but for, for him, that wasn't. He didn't want her to make, to, to make a noise. He was, she wasn't there to be pleasure, to have pleasure, but just to serve him. So when did you have your first sexual experience with a woman? I was 17 years old, which was young in those days. Today, it's like an old man with a beard. <laughs> That's true. Stick, right? But I was 17 years old. A lovely lady whom I shall not name, other than to say I regretfully only had one experience with her. This was one of those fumbling businesses with how do you put on a condom? You know, where does this go? I mean, I, I, I just could not understand where I was supposed to put it because I thought the place it goes is in front. To my shock, horror, I discovered that the factory is underneath. So let me get this. So because you learned basically from drawings initially, so that's two-dimensional. That's right. It doesn't really illustrate the fact that, that the actual vagina, which is where the penis has to go, is not actually straight in front, but it's actually underneath. That's when I discovered why the penis was angulated. So there's to be an easy entry into the place where it belongs. Uh, but anyway, that's where you wanted to go. So the first experience was, as I expect for most young couples or people starting out on their sexual lives, a bit of a fumbling mess. But I, I like the girl a lot, and I'm not exactly sure why our relationship uh, never continued, but it, it sadly didn't. We were friends, we never fell out, everything was fine. And then where did you go from there? I have to be honest, I can't remember exactly. I do know I had other sexual experiences, but as they were follow-ons, they weren't as significant. But what I do know, and, and I just hope other men benefit from this, because of the knowledge I'd gained from that book, I mean, I read The Odd Playboy I managed to come across, but that book changed my life. It taught me how to take care of the woman I was with, of what the man needs to do, needs to do to take care of. And from then on, I have to say, I've had a very satisfying uh, intimacy life. I don't call it sex, because sex is kind of a word that often refers to uh, no intimacy. I like it to look at it as being intimate with somebody you, you have some relationship with. 
I've had a wonderful intimate life. Uh, really, 99% of the time has been extremely good, satisfying for me and for my partner. So, but not continuous? No, I've had periods of time where I've uh, not had sex. When my marriage floundered, I went without sex for a very long time. I won't tell you how long because it's embarrassing, but I wasn't willing to break up my marriage because I wanted to be around to raise my children. So I forgave, for, for, forgo. How do you, what's forgo in the past tense? I forwent sex. I guess. I learned, to, yeah. I learned to forgo sex for a very long time, but I, were, I had the pleasure of raising my children, which was better than any sexual experience anybody could ever have. I mean, it's interesting to me that you say it was so long, it was embarrassing, but um, thus far, and the people, um, two out of the three stories had periods of over of eight years of no sex. So, I mean, going for a long time without sex in a marriage is um, unfortunately common these days. It's sad to, sad to say I, I, I know because I've spoken to ladies I know who've had years, I mean, decades literally decades with virtually no intimacy. And I think that's tragic, especially when I, I would then go out with them and our intimate lives were marvelous. So I knew that they were well capable of enjoying intimacy, but their husbands didn't have a clue. You know, it's got to do with you've got to care and you've got to have knowledge. Those are the two requirements to be able to do anything well. And I don't think their husbands cared and they certainly didn't have the knowledge. Now, just to clarify, these were women you went out with after their... Long, long after marriage. they were divorced yeah, and yeah. I was divorced, yes. yes. I know, we, did, we didn't have illicit affairs. No, not I mean... We weren't not, available for illicit affairs, but it didn't, work, it didn't happen that way. This is <laughs> after the marriages had ended. And if you ask, if I ask uh, ladies I've known since I've uh, reconnected with my intimate life, they generally did not have a lot of good stories to tell. Sad to say. In other words, women... Girls, you're missing out. So what, what was your worst sexual experience? Uh, I've had a couple where um, the, the worst, I would have to say, was coitus interruptus. For those of you who didn't study Latin, that means interrupted sex. Mm -hmm. A lady friend decades ago in South Africa who would just stop in the middle of sex, just stop. And I would go... Well, you're right. She wouldn't say anything. And she would, once she even stopped, got off from underneath me and walked out the room and left. And because I was kind of crazy about it, because she did have wonderful attributes, I spent at least a year trying to create a relationship with this woman. Decades later, later I found out about passive aggressive personality disorder and realized that's what that was about. She was controlling me through passive aggressiveness. I much prefer active aggressiveness or out aggressive. Let me have it if you're not happy with our relationship. It wasn't our sexual relationship she wasn't happy with. It was our general relationship. Yeah. She wanted to get married. And as I wasn't ready for that, she took it out me that way. That was quite disturbing. I think there would be men who would beat their women with a brick if they could under those circumstances. And women I've shared the story with were amazed at my restraint. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of horrified by that. The idea that you would be involved in, and since you've already clarified that you don't do casual intimate relationships, so this, this was a, a proper 
Absolutely. Standing emotional, intimate relationship, yeah. and that you would be involved in, in an intimate relationship with somebody, and in the middle of sex, and the person would leave. To stop and, moving. And, you know, and not say anything. Never, not ever say, say not, a word. Not say, um, ouch, that hurt, or, you know what, I really didn't want to do this because, you know, I'm angry at you, anything. Just get up and walk out like nothing ever happened. And then behave like nothing ever happened afterwards, you know, like. Exactly. I wrote her letters repeatedly trying to deal with this issue. And all I got was, you know, uh, ducking and diving and avoiding the issue. How did you feel? How did you? Absolutely bloody horrible. It's rejection of the worst kind. But what you have to understand is I I came from a, a place where I believed uh, wrongly, I discovered many years later that through communication, you could deal with any impediment in your relationship. This was my goal. And I was seeking for the communication that was required to address this issue. It took me a long time before I realized the two requirements for overcoming impediments with a partner or anybody for that matter. They've got to be willing and able Now, I'm sure other people have written about this, but this was my realization that it stood me in good stead the rest of my years. I mean, decades I've used that. And this partner was not able. She didn't even go as far as willing because she just wasn't able. She didn't communicate. She wasn't willing to communicate. She wanted to do what she wanted to do. So needless to say, we split up. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, she'd been married before I met her. And she told me that her husband had beat her, which horrified the hell out of me. When she did this to me, I, 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 you know, I had to say to myself, perhaps now I know why he beat her. I'm not saying I proved it in any way, but kind of I understood the probable reason why he beat her. Because I, I so you understood that level of rage, not that you would condone anybody acting that way, but you. No, under- well, I don't have violence in my mindset. I just don't think violence, so right. it never occurred to me ever. Uh, before, since, I just don't think violence. Yeah. I'm lucky that way. But if he did beat her, uh, I, I can understand why. I mean, my, I think many men would resort to violence. In fact, the right thing to do is to realize there's no hope and leave. And that's what I finally did. Yeah. So what about... You asked me about bad experiences. Yeah. One other lady friend, more recently, a few years ago, where... I have to tell you, all my skills deserted me. Uh, it's just amazing. I, I just felt like a complete novice, completely useless. Everything went wrong. And the reason why this happened, I just never came up before because she never asked me this before. But she wanted to control the whole episode, everything. And I just, I found myself being instructed on what to do. And it completely ruined my mindset. You know, I knew how to take care of a woman very gently over a long period of time. And she had a whole different agenda that she told. It wasn't that she wanted me to do violent stuff or horrible stuff. It's just she wanted to control the whole thing and I completely lost the plot. I have to say I, I did not perform well. So I never I, want to go back there ever again. So I, would ha- I, so I would say then that you don't deal well with a woman who's dominant in bed. I have a very simple rule with women. In fact, everybody, and I actually, in recent years, have told lady friends I've known, I've said very simply, I'm a nice, easygoing guy, but 
you can't dominate me and I don't want to dominate you. And it's both true. I don't want to dominate them physically, mentally, sexually. I'm just not into domination, being dominated or dominating another. It's just not what I'm interested in. I like togetherness. That's my thing. And I've gotten on extremely well with all the other ladies I've been fortunate enough to be with. That's grand. What about your best sexual experience? Anything stand out? Well, I have to say, and, and I, I measure my best sexual experiences by the pleasure I give my partner. Now, that may sound like a little bit pathetic, but I'm sorry, that's my oh. measure. Uh, I'm easily satisfied. You don't have to do bugger all for me. Um, my needs are really not great. My needs are to know that this woman has achieved a fantastic orgasmic experience. And the more orgasms, the better, until she's satis thoroughly satisfied is my goal in life. Apparently, I'm told by those who know that my attitude to taking care of my partner is not that common, sad to say. Uh, uh, I ask my partners always, are they okay? Is there anything they want me to do? Anything they'd rather I didn't do? And because I don't, I'm not exotic. I don't do exotic things. They're all more than happy with a service provider, which is, that's very nice. Thank you very much. So I measure my best sexual experiences by my intimate partner's best sexual experiences. And I've had a number of those. I've had a girlfriend once who said to me, after a prolonged sexual evening, she said, that's never happened to her in her life. And she explained why, and she thanked me for being so considerate. And, and that, for me, is our ultimate achievement. That makes me feel very happy inside. That's fantastic. I love that you say you're not exotic. Well, I have exotic friends. Yeah. You know, you can tell you stories where you go, my God, what? You did what? You know, and I'd like to meet the first person who drank that up because it's the kind of thing I'd never think of, right? And I'd like to meet the first person on planet Earth who went, you know, why don't we do this or that or whatever, right? And I'm always amazed at the inventiveness of people. But it's never particularly appealed to me. But funnily enough, I have no problem with other people's uh, sexual activities. I've never had any problem with homosexuality, probably because it was never discussed where I came from. It's like it didn't exist. So there was no indoctrination as to how bad or terrible it all was because it was never discussed. And I just, I don't know why also, I just don't have a problem with it. If that's what men want to do, I'm happy for them. Uh, when I hear what some of my heterosexual, bisexual, polyamorous partners get up to, I don't have any kind of uh, reaction. I don't step back like horrified. I'm fascinated by some of the stuff they dream up. I mean, there are inventive minds at work out there. Does it appeal to me? No. But you know, I was once asked by a friend of mine, who's my hairdresser to this day, 30 years ago, he asked me to go skiing. Would I like to go skiing with him? Yeah, I don't know, in France or somewhere. Thank you. No, thank you. I don't want to put planks on my feet and ski into trees and break bones. He said, have you ever been skiing? I went, no. He said, but unless you've tried it, how do you know you don't like it? So I said to him, well, that same rule applies to homosexuality. Do I need to try it to know it's not for me? And he stepped back and he went, fair enough. There's some things you don't need to try to know it doesn't appeal to you. So I'm very conventional 
But, and I say this with absolutely no ego whatsoever. I'm not egotistical. My pleasure is in caring for the needs of somebody else. That's so, I think that's wonderful. And I, I mean, what was it like to get back to dating and sex? Well, that's a whole leaders. interesting discussion, dating. Uh, I'm, um, uh, and once again, no ego here. I'm very charming, I've been told, but I'm not sexually charming. Well, that's a different thing, right? So I thought I'd better do some homework. And I had my uh, family member and my accountant who are big into dating told me I've got to read the book, The Game. Oh, okay. So I got the book, The Game. And I read the book and I studied the book. I then had a family member who lives in America who went over it in detail with me. And he explained to me that my fault was that I was being too serious on the first date. That was my fault. I should be relaxed, cheerful, chatty, but not serious. And he explained that there are two phases to dating. The first phase is up to intimacy. And the second phase is maintaining a relationship. He said to me that looking over my entire life, I could write a book on how to maintain a relationship because I'm very good at that. I've never had a problem with that, ever. But to become intimate with a woman requires certain approach. So I learned from him and I used that approach on a date and I've been going out with that woman for a few years now. So I haven't tried it with anybody else. <laughs> so if it doesn't work out and I go back into dating, I'll have to let you know how it works. A lot of people wouldn't try to get back into a sexual life after um, having been without for a long period of time um, oh, um, yeah. or over the age of 50 or, I mean, I mean, seriously, and it's scary to me that since I am also over the age of 50, the idea that I would have stopped having sex by then is just frightening. But a lot of people when they reach 50, 55 are sort of like, if it's not working, think that their sexual lives is over. What do you, what would you say to that? I, I think that's um, possibly for two reasons. Number one, they feel they failed so badly. They're, they're scared to re-enter the market. Uh, you know, they've had bad experiences. Uh, other than the two I've told you about, I've had nothing but good experiences. So, you know, fond memories all around, right? Um, and by the way, I'm friendly uh, or good terms with virtually all my ex-girlfriends. So, you know, they kind of like to see me, almost demand they see me when they come to visit me in London. Uh, so that's also nice to know. You know, they, 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 they only upset with me is that I didn't marry them. It's not that I had a bad relationship with them. But I'm not, I know myself, and I considered whether I should forego sex for the rest of my life and focus on my spiritual growth, because I spent a lot of energy and time in that area. Perhaps I should become a bit of a monk. And I thought about it, and I just thought that just doesn't work for me. Just like going skiing doesn't appeal to me, that just doesn't seem right to me. So if it doesn't seem right for me, it isn't right for me. And I ventured back into the dating world. Now, by the way, dating is a, a dangerous place. You know, there are huge emotions, upsets, dramas, mm -hmm. you, you know. Uh, it's not a safe place to venture. It's a jungle out there. And nevertheless, I felt that this was the place I needed to go. 
and I've ventured forth and I've had some dramas, some, you know, serious dramas. Some ladies are peculiar in the mental department. They're crazy and they can upset the daylights out of you. Not odd, but I've persisted. And now I have a nice peaceful relationship. I don't have the highs, but I don't have the disastrous lows either. And that's very pleasant. And uh, I, it's very, it can be, hopefully, very good for both of you. That's what you aim for. And I've got that at the moment. And I just felt natural. And you know, by the way, age is irrelevant. A friend of mine's mother, uh, who was in her late 80s, had his father pass away. And a year later, she said to her son, you know, son, what I miss is the sex. And she's in her late 80s. Wonderful. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Why shouldn't she enjoy sex when she's in love? That's how she feels. It's a, you know, once again, I like to refer to it as intimacy. Intimacy is wonderful. Why should you stop being intimate with somebody? I don't get it. Why? I don't think you should, but I think what happens is, is that a lot of people through children, hmm. through um, changes that we go through as we age. So for women, menopause... I like to call it men's things, menopause, because people think men don't go through stuff. They do. Libido changes. Um, it's not just about erectile dysfunction. Libido actually changes. Yeah. So there are issues that occur um, as we age. And because I think people don't communicate well on this subject, mm. they don't deal with it, and they, they buy into a myth, which is that it's over. And that's the myth. And as you say, if people have had um, bad sexual experiences <clears throat> and their, their intimate experiences have, have, not, have mostly not been terribly positive, they don't feel terribly motivated I agree. to try and deal with it. Or even if they've been positive, there's, it's so, there's so much shame and there's so much worry around talking about this that it just feels too hard to approach. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I think that's sad because there's a lot of joy to be had out there and you, you need to face up to the, the failures. And it's not easy. I, I don't hold it against anybody. It's not easy. Uh, and a, a lot of women and men I've known are just not that interested in sex, possibly because they're just not. And secondly, because they haven't had enough pleasurable experiences to want to go there. So a lot of them, men and women, uh, the men you don't hear so much about. You, you know, somehow I seem to hear more about women who've lost interest or never had that much interest. But I can name a number of men whose wives have complained to me. They just they got married, had sex for a few months, and then nothing, and nothing for years afterwards, for years. Yeah. So it's, it's both sides, and you've also educated me on the subject that it's both, both. Definitely, and I mean at the moment, you know, sexless marriage is defined as sex less than six times per year. Give me that again, six... A sexless marriage. It's is less than six times a year. six times a year. So if you're having sex, <clears throat> intimate contact with your spouse or your living partner, you don't have to be married, only once every two months, your relationship is considered sexless. Well, thankfully, I'm not one of that group. But, you know, look, at the end of the day, if you belong to that group and you're very happy together, good luck to you. I don't set rules for how other people should do it. Yeah. You know, but yeah. if they are interested, it's a shame that they have to forego that pleasure. 
Yeah, well, and they don't. There's all sorts of things they can do, but they need the courage to actually. Yeah, yes, yes. And that's where up. you come in. That's where you come in because you enable them to get back into that world. That's the aim. Yeah. So, what are the three things that you would tell a man that are most important to making sure his partner is satisfied? Number one, knowledge. He really needs to know, okay? He has to know that a woman is rarely available to jump into bed after 30 seconds. It is possible, okay? But you've got to have foreplay. It's in my book that I read when I was 14. It said that, the, I remember this, maybe it's wrong now, but that you have to have a minimum of seven minutes of foreplay. That's what it said in the book. So you know what? I always follow those rules, at least seven minutes of foreplay, okay? Number two, erogenous zones. I didn't know what erogenous meant. Never mind that there were zones, okay? And different women are different. Some women have uh, sensitive nipples. Other women have no sense in their nipples at all. So you need to find everybody's different, okay? So you need to educate yourself in what you're dealing with. First, you have to know how a woman operates. They don't operate the same as a man. They are different, okay? So number one, knowledge. Number two, a little bit of kindness and consideration goes a long way. You know, I knew a girl, not an intimate partner, who liked candles. She liked candles. She liked, you know, the, the, to set the scene. This was important for her. But her partner didn't see the wisdom of that. He didn't understand the need. He, so he fought, went candles, and needless to say, he got the cold shoulder, and he couldn't understand why. Well, why don't you just listen to your partner? She wants candles. Go and buy a box of candles. Only can, you know what I mean? Try and make it nice for her. Okay, you want me to take a shower before we have intimate? No problem. You know, simple requests like that make it pleasant because a woman is a more, dare I say, dramatic person. And I'm more than happy to help please her in that regard. Do you know what I'm saying? It's no problem. So do what you can for her. Ask what she wants. So get the knowledge. Then you've got to look at the person you're with. See what she wants. See if you can help. Discuss it. Now, that's hard, okay? That's hard. But you've got to face this devil if you want to get through to the other side. So those are the two main things. I don't even have three. The third one is, okay, the third one is be nice to her. She's a woman. She's a gentle creature beneath that facade that she walks around trying to show you how you know, self-assured she is. Be kind to her. You know, be kind to people. It doesn't do any harm. So those would be by three. Well, that's great. I love it. Um, so is there anything you would advise that women should do? I think women have got a harder task because in the society in which we live to this day, a woman is supposed to be um, amenable. You know, you know what I mean? She's not to be supposed to be demanding. Now, Let's not get too carried away with our demands, but let's voice how we feel and try and discuss it. And it relates to all aspects of your relationship, just, not just intimacy. Let's talk, let's communicate. A woman should likewise find out 
what a man likes. Now, I have men friends who talk about requirements that I have not at all. So it does not interest me. And see if you can satisfy your man. If you can't, it might be a good idea before you start out to find out this guy is, for example, interested in anal sex. If that's abhorrent to you, don't get started. You know, maybe go, that's really not for me. Would you mind you find somebody else? You know, you need to communicate, but communicate with delicacy. This is not a negotiation about buying a car. A little delicacy maintains the, the magic of intimacy. To me, intimacy is not a business. It's a magical encounter. You know, and it's for that reason why I could never make use of sex workers. Not that I don't understand why there's a need for sex workers. But for me, I couldn't avail myself of that service because there would be no magic. To me, I love the magic of intimacy. And if you look for magic, you will create magic. Uh, so both men and women need to increase their knowledge. We now have Google. Mr. Google will help you find everything you could possibly need to know. I had a, a girlfriend once who never had an orgasm. orgasm. She was anorgasmic or something. So <clears throat> I, I had to get my head around this because that meant I couldn't give her as much pleasure as I thought I could or needed to. And then finally I realized, and I told her this, I remember this girl years ago, I told her that I realized that in a way this is a benefit for her because she could carry on having sex for a very long time. And she maintained a, a high, pleasurable level for a very long time. So in a way she was freed. She didn't have to say, so I need a rest, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm satisfied. <laughs> she was satisfied without having an orgasm, something I didn't realize was possible but I've learned that that is itself possible. So there are variations in what people need or what they're able to achieve. Familiarize yourself. Google will there, is there to help you find out, talk, communicate, be kind, be gentle. You'll have a wonderful time. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Have a lovely day. Brilliant. So... Today we spoke about um, how things were like in apartheid South Africa. Um, how reading is fundamental. How knowledge is very important and focusing on pleasuring your partner. If any of these topics resonate with you and you want to learn more, check out the links that will be in the podcast notes. Today was a more traditional story. Okay, stop, I gotta stop. <laughs> Today, we spoke about what sex was like in the Jewish community in apartheid South Africa. We spoke about reading being fundamental, and how much you can actually still learn from books, how important knowledge is to creating pleasure for you and for your partner. We spoke about focusing on creating pleasure for your partner. This was a more conventional episode. And we spoke about the joys of intimacy within a relationship and how important intimacy is to having a joyful relationship. If any of these topics resonate for you, 
There will be links in the podcast notes so you can check them out. Or you can email me at drbisbee at the-intimacy-coach.com for more information. That's D-R-B-I-S-B-E-Y at the-intimacy-coach.com. Thanks for joining me for Sex Spoken here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Do write to me with suggestions for the show, questions you want answered at drbisbee at theintimacycoach.com. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out my YouTube channel. And I now have a TV channel on the Bonbon Network. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to https colon forward slash forward slash the-intimacy-coach.com and click on the button that says schedule now on the contact page. Please leave me a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. The next five people who leave a review will receive a 10% discount on any of my services. I look forward to next week's sex love story and I thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher. And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.